2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Everybody say it's profitable. Now, in any business, you want something to be profitable. You don't start a business. You know, you want to sell coffee. You don't go into the coffee business just simply. I don't know. Some of you may be loaded and you don't need the money, but most people don't go into business to not make a profit and uh, or at least want a profit or you won't throw it away if you get a profit maybe that's a better way of saying it but the scripture is given by God and it's profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness and then Paul says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everybody say the Word of God. Come on, say it's profitable. Look at somebody and say it works. Amen. Last Sunday I preached that we need the Word of God. Today I preach we need the Word of God. Part two. Everybody say part two. The sequel. We still need the Word of God. Whatever you want to call it today. We need the Word of God. Everybody say, we need the Word of God. Lord, bless the Word as it's preached today. Give us all open hearts and spirits and minds, and I open up myself to your Word right now. Speak, I pray, Lord Jesus. Through preaching, Lord, you have chosen this avenue to save them that believe. So, Lord, would you do a saving work in this house today through the Word of God. I so desperately need you, Lord. It is your anointed Word that destroys bondage and yokes, Lord. And we pray it would be done today in the name of the Lord. Amen. And everyone said amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I hope at the close of this sermon today that I can have the privilege to pray with everyone that is here. And uh, it would take a whole long time for me to come to you and to pray over you individually. But would, if you would just be so kind as to allow me to ask you to come at the close of our service and we can all pray together and I can pray over you. I would love that privilege and that honor. And uh, if you're okay with that, would you say, all right. all right? Amen. I did some arithmetic this morning. I got up early and I started working on some math. It's been a while since I was in a math class. I prefer math over arithmetic because it's a lot easier to spell. When I was typing my notes, I actually had to look up how to spell arithmetic, and I think it's right. It doesn't have a little squiggly line under it, so I think it's right. I was calculating a rough number of sermons that I have heard in my life. Now, I'm a little over 50, and so I, I didn't start counting in my, my calculation. I didn't start counting from birth because I wasn't listening back then. I wasn't. In fact, as I was trying to find a place to start, I thought, well, probably since I dismiss on Sundays everyone from four and under, they're not listening right now. They're, they're, they're listening to their teachers. So we're just going to say five. So when Brother Gaddy was five, I started my calculation. And um, I'm guessing that from the time I was five till this day, and I count when I preach because I'm listening to what I'm saying. <laughs> 
it's a much shorter journey for me to hear it than for you to hear it, but I'm listening to what I'm preaching. And so I'm, I'm guessing from the time I was five until this day, I've heard probably around 5,000 different sermons. Now, that's very approximate, and that's also very conservative. I've probably heard a lot more than that, but I just am guessing about 5,000. So the question could be asked, have all of those sermons been memorable? No. They have not. Because in order to be memorable, I would have to remember all of them. I had someone come up to me a few months ago, and they were mentioning something about a point in a sermon that I had made the previous week. And um, I didn't let on, but I'm going to tell you in front of God and everybody what was going on in my brain when they were talking to me. They said, Pastor, now do you remember last Sunday in that sermon that you preached? Do you remember that second point that you made in that sermon? (laughs) And I could tell from their tone of voice and their, you know, the way they were conversing with me, it was memorable for them. And they were getting ready, David, to tell me how memorable it was. And in my brain, this was what was going on in in the pastor's brain. In my brain, I'm thinking, oh, no. (laughs) Honest, honesty is good policy. I don't remember what my second point was. And then truth be told, I didn't even remember what I preached the week before. <laughs> but for them, it was, it was memorable. All of the 5,000 sermons approximately that I've heard, have all of them been short in duration? No. No. Some have been long. Some have been short. Some have been too long. Some have been too short. It's different. Were all of them necessary? Yes, yes, because the truth of the matter is, if I truly believe in the power of that Bible, then I have to believe that it is like food for my soul. And I've stated this before, but I'll state it again. What's the most important meal you will ever eat? All of them. Because if we decide to forego that, It'll be okay for a little while, but then it's going to start affecting us adversely. We need food, and we need the Word of God. We need the nutrition. Can I say it like that? We need the nutrition that this book brings to us. Amen. It is all necessary. Now, my uh, life in preaching, I'm just going to use one avenue of bringing across the word. There's other ways of doing it. You can declare God's word in song. You can teach God's word. And uh, I, I do a lot of the teaching part. Uh, our singers do a lot of the singing part, declaring God's word. But the preaching part, Brother Odell is here, and Brother Vestal already mentioned his impact in his life. And, and, and obviously, those of you that are a part of our church, you will know that Brother Odell has had a huge impact in my life. And when I went to college as a freshman, I was uh, just out of high school. I was 18 years old. And one of the very first classes that I ever took was a class called homiletics. Homiletics is just public speaking, how how to speak, and in our context, preaching. And uh, it kind of gave us the the, the nuts and bolts of even how to put a sermon together. What do you do? You just say everything you know, or you put it in kind of a a flow. And, And Brother Odell was wonderful to teach us that. I remember that part of the class involved us actually getting up and preaching what we 
put together, the sermons that we put together. And one of the things that we had to do in that class was not only preach, but while others were preaching, we had a form that we held in our hand. And it was a critique form. And there's nothing quite as death-defying as preaching to people all with the same form in their hand. And their job is to help improve your preaching. In this class, their job is not necessarily to receive your preaching, although they received it probably, but their job was to improve your preaching. And so we would get up and preach, and from time to time people would get up and, you know, you know how sometimes it's easy to get up and, and you know, uh, open up the Bible, well, you know, like what the scripture says, you know, and, and you, you, know, you know what it's like when you're trying to, you know, say something and you can't quite get, you, you know, just you can't quite get it out, you know, and I remember one class in particular, brother, you know, was up there and he was preaching, you know. Talking a lot about, you know, and Brother Odell from the back of the class hollered out above everyone, No, I don't know. <laughs> and it startled him and broke him of that verbal crutch. So it got my turn to go get up and preach. And so I got up to the pulpit and I began to preach. And, and I really honestly thought I'd, I'd done okay. I, I didn't feel like I had you know, preach the Hall of Fame message or anything, but I felt like I'd done okay. And uh, when I got done, because it was a class and they were critiquing, like nobody says anything. So, and that's what I want to share with you today. God bless you. And I walked away and everyone just in complete silence. And Brother Odell was in the back. Phil and I, he got up real slow and walked to the front of the room. And I, and I, I went to prayer. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, let him be kind to me. And, and he got up, and, and Brother Odell may remember this. He got up, and, and he, he was complimentary. He said, Brother Gaddy, that was, that was good. Thank you for, for putting that together. It was a good flow. And then he said something to me that I have never forgot all these years later, over 30 years later. He said this, brothers and sisters, and then he was addressing everybody in the crowd, in the class, brothers and sisters, that was a good sermon if you do not believe what you're preaching. So Brother Gaddy, I'd like you to come back up here and preach the same sermon again like you really mean it. God didn't answer my prayer. <laughs> so I had to take my same notes that I just got done preaching to the class, and I had to come back up, and I made up in my mind he was not going to say that a second time to me. I'm here to tell you God is in this house. <laughs> but that man knew exactly what he was doing. So the next time you are in a, a church service, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, that short guy yells a lot. It's his fault. 
I see him spitting every once in a while and getting red in the face. No, he was trying to tell, hey, if you're going to open up that Bible and if you're going to believe that that Bible can save souls, and if you believe that Bible is true, that every word of God is pure, then you need to lift up your voice like a trumpet and believe what you're preaching and trust in that book. Folks, we need the word of God. We got to have it. Everybody say, we got to have it. The word of God, according to the word of God, is profitable. It's profitable for several things. The first thing is the Bible says that the word is profitable for doctrine. Everyone say doctrine. That means the word of God is great for teaching what is right. Paul told Titus in chapter 1 and verse 9, Hold fast the faithful word as you have been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. The word of God is powerful because it provides teaching. It provides doctrine. It is able to teach us what is right. In year number one of our church, many, many years ago, we were renting a Presbyterian church here in town to have service, and I was up preaching to about eight or nine people. My wife will remember this. And a sweet lady by the name of Katie was sitting in the back in the middle section of the church. And um, she was a waitress at a nearby restaurant. I happened to be preaching that day on the new birth, repentance from sin and water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Spirit of God evidenced by speaking with other tongues. And while I was preaching specifically on the subject of water baptism, I saw Katie kind of look around the, the head in front of her and, and, and really stare at me. And uh, I could tell she was really listening. And so we got done with the service, and I gave opportunity for people to pray. And uh, a few people responded, and we, we had a, t- a good time of prayer. And I noticed that while we were praying up near the front of the sanctuary, Katie was still sitting in the middle section, but tears are streaming down her face. And uh, I could tell she was moved. Her emotions were engaged. And so I just stepped off the platform and I went back to Katie in the middle section and I introduced myself to her and we exchanged some pleasantries. And I said, Katie, it's just obvious to me because you're crying that your emotions are, 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 are turned over and can, can you tell me what you're feeling right now? And I never will forget what this lady said to me. She asked me a question. She said, Pastor, are you telling me that I can go into water with sin? And when the name of Jesus is called over me in that water and I am baptized that those sins are removed from my life. She said, is that what you're saying to me? I said, I am so thankful to tell you, Katie. Yes, that is what I'm saying. But then I said, but someone greater than me is saying that to you today. God said it in his word. And because he said it in his word, it is true. You need to be obedient to this, not because Tim Gaddy told you, but because the Bible says it. You can trust the word of God. The word of God is profitable for teaching. It is profitable for doctrine. It is profitable for teaching what is right. Everybody say doctrine. Doctrine is so important, but the word of God is also profitable, according to Paul, for reproof. Everybody say reproof. This is showing what is wrong. If I'm going to overcome what is wrong, I first got to realize what is wrong. If if I'm going to get better in something, I first have to have as an identifier in my life what is wrong. And 
The thing that identifies that the best is not personal opinion. The thing that identifies that the best is not the opinion of friends. It's the word of God. Have any of you ever read the Bible or heard it preached and while you were hearing the word of God preached, it revealed, I'll be the first to raise my hand, it revealed a wrong motive inside of me. It revealed something in my life that really needed to change. What is that? That's the power of the reproving word of God. You see, the word of God, the Bible, is the main source of God's reproof and his reprimand to us and for us. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. We were preaching about sons and daughters of God. You know, who, you know what the Lord does if you're a son or child of his? He uses his word at times to reprove some things, to chasten some things. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Hebrews 12 and 1. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful Nevertheless, afterward, everybody say afterward. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Are there occasions that we hear preaching or we read the word of God ourselves, and it gets in our business and is painful for us? Yes, yes, and may I say it again, yes. But that shows us that the word of God is working because it is profitable for reproof. For showing us what is wrong. The psalmist declared it in Psalm 94. Blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out your law. Jesus declared it in Revelation 3. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. The word of God is so important because it reproves. I need God's word in this guy right here to reprove me. We need the word of God. We need the word of God to also correct us. See, it's one thing to reprove, to point out what's wrong, but it's a whole different thing to correct me, to make the wrong right. I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't leave me where he finds me. I'm so thankful that when his word reproves me, shows me what's wrong, he does not leave me there. But in that same book, he says, I'm going to correct you. I'm going to give you indication as the right path to walk on, the right way to talk, the right way to conduct yourself. The word of God is profitable for correction. Correction is the next step beyond reproof and chastisement. Correction means to mend our ways or to make something right that is wrong. Isn't it wonderful that God corrects us by showing us where we are wrong? but then loving us enough to give us his word to guide us into what is right. There is a powerful passage in 2 Kings chapter 22, and uh, we are introduced to a young man. And when I say young man, I mean real young man. Josiah, in the long list of kings of Israel, became king when he was eight years old. Eight years old. Let me just say that one more time for a little emphasis. Josiah became the king of a people when he was eight years old. 
I don't know how you are a king. When you, I, don't, I don't know what you do when you get up in the morning. Do you play with Legos? <laughs> or do you invade other countries? <laughs> so he must have had a lot of advisors around him to help him. I wouldn't have wanted to go through puberty as a king. But he did. And so he's a king. And the Bible says that in the 18th year of Josiah's reign, he's now, here's where math comes in, 26. He's 26 years old. And in the 18th year of his reign, he's raising and putting some funds together to rebuild the temple. It's in disrepair, and so people are bringing offerings, and he is ch challenged with collecting those offerings. And so he sends the high priest by the name of Hilkiah to go give instruction on where these offerings are to be taken and given to those who are doing the work. And it's basically a transactional conversation. Take, go get this money, bring it over here, pay the workers, let's get this, this temple rebuilt. And so within the context of that very practical adventure. The Bible says that while they are going through and taking care of that business, the book of the law of God is found in the temple. Now, when we read this, it's very clear that the inference is strong. It had been neglected. It was not front and center in their life. In fact, they found it, blowing the dust off of something, and they uncover the law of God, the word of God. Some people that study uh, tradition, uh, traditional scripture and all of that believe that it could have been the book of Deuteronomy or maybe all five books of the Pentateuch, the first five books that we see in the Old Testament scriptures. And when this happens, this is not planned for. This is not why Josiah sent Hilkiah to go do this. He just happens to find it. And he comes back to the king. And when he walks in the room, he says, King, I did what you said. We got the money distributed. But oh, by the way, we happen to find in the temple the book of the law of God. Now, I want you to notice something. When Josiah, as a 26-year-old, heard that statement... The Bible says he tore his clothes. Now, that's symbolic of repentance. Anytime you look at that inscription, you see someone tearing their clothes. That's not like getting just in a mad fit or anything. It's symbolic of repentance. He tore his clothes. Later on in verse number 19 of that same chapter, the Bible says he began to weep. He realized that which should have been the main attention had been neglected all of these years. And he also knew the penalty that was attached for disregard of the word of the Lord. And so he sent a spokesperson to a prophetess by the name of Huldah in the area. And he said, please go tell this prophetess what has happened. We found the book of the law. We didn't realize it was just disregarded for so long. And the word of the Lord came to Huldah and she said, there will come judgment upon people for disregarding the book of the law. 
But because of your attitude, because of your humility, because of your tears, because of your tearing of your clothes and repenting, it's not going to visit your house, but it will come in the future. What this tells me in very stark reality as I begin to study through this, and specifically on this subject of correction, is we must look at the Word of God through the proper lens. I have to look at the Word of God not through disregard. This is not just, I don't think I have to prove this to a lot of people, but I want to declare it anyways. This is not just another book. This is not just an optional book. This is not just some harebrained idea from people long, long ago. No, this is the Word of God. It's not to be disregarded. It's not to be neglected. It's not to be pushed aside. And yet if you and I, this is a great example like Josiah, if you and I come to this word, when we realize what we've done wrong and we let it correct us and we are humble and we tear our clothes and weep in his presence and say, God, I want to come back to your word. He will receive us. He will have mercy. That's what the word of God is for. It's for my correction. Everybody say my correction. And then Paul said it's also profitable for instruction in righteousness. This refers to an ongoing teaching of how to live. Not just getting out of trouble, but how do I live this out? How do I walk this out Monday through Friday? How do I live this in my home and on the, on the job and among people, believers and, and unbelievers. How do I walk this out? Well, the word of God, according to the Bible, is profitable for that, instructing in righteousness. It literally means to be tutored or trained. It's the act of being educated in that which is holy, that which is godly, and that which is righteous. Let me give you a great prayer. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Put this in your phone. Put this somewhere where you can pray this this week. Psalm 119 and verse 133, the psalmist prays it and says, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. I think that's on the screen, and I wish you would pray it out loud with me right now. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Pray it one more time. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. What a great prayer that we can pray that this word will become instruction for us on how to live for God. Amen. Now... The word is profitable. We've established that. But then there is a purpose for the various functions of the word of God. Here's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. That the man or woman of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, the purpose of the Word of God is that we would be complete, equipped for everything we need in life. Amen. How do I respond to my wife? I don't respond in the way I think I should respond. I go, by, go to the Word to be equipped to know how to respond. How, how do I approach the Lord? Do I approach Him with cowering and fear? No. The Lord says, come boldly into my throne room. You know why I come boldly to the Lord? 
is because the word says that. It instructs in righteousness. It's endeavoring to make me complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what is it about this Bible? And this is where I'm going to finish today. What is it about this Bible? I want you to get this. Number one, the Bible is a source of power. Now, another thing that Brother Odell taught was that when you preach, preach the Word of God. Don't preach what you think about the Word of God. Because what is anointed is not your opinion about the Word of God. What is anointed is the Word of God. <laughs> so I'm going to clue you in on something that you probably don't know. When I am sending my notes, every Sunday morning, our media team, who have we already established, does a great job. I send them a copy of my notes for two reasons. Number one, if I fall over, one of them has to preach. So pray, Lane, because if I fall over, it's yours, bud. <laughs> All kidding aside, I send it to them because it helps them know what verses I want to have put on the screen. And what I do, this is probably more than you ever want to know, but what I do when I send them the notes is all the things that I want to put on the screen, I have it in red font. Everything else is in black font. And they know this. They've worked back there. They know if pastor sends it to us in red, it goes on the screen. So most of this sermon is in red. Because we need the word of God, and if we need the word of God, and if it's our power, we need to hear the word of God. So the first thing I want to make sure we understand is the Bible is a source of power. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Bible is a strong source of power. It helps us defeat Satan and everything involving Satan. Satan hates the Word of God. He doesn't mind my opinion. He doesn't mind my ideas. But whenever I come at him with God's Word, he hates that. Jesus Jesus was tempted by Satan, brought up on the, the top of the temple, brought up and looked out over all the riches of that day and said, throw yourself down. I'll give all of this if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus, God manifest in the flesh, turned to the enemy and declared, it is written. Why? Because power to fight the devil is not in my ideas. It's in the Word of God because the Word of God is a source of power. It is written. It is written. I feel like I don't know how much I'll get through the rest of this. Somebody needs to hear me right now. When the enemy comes and tries to wear you out and tell you everything's going down, don't come back at him with your opinion. Open up that Bible and say, it is written. It is written. That is our power. That's our power. Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then the Bible says, then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. You want the devil to leave you? Quote the word of God. Number two, the Bible has great spiritual benefit. You want a closer walk with God? Get in the book. 
Because Psalm 19 and 7 says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them you your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. The Bible has great spiritual benefit. Thirdly, the Bible is a source of joy. Whew. You won't get happy? Read the Bible. Psalm 119 and verse 47, I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love, O Lord. The psalmist declared it, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all of the day. The psalmist said it, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Jeremiah declared it, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. There's something about this word that brings joy in the journey. Amen. Number four, the Bible is a source of peace. Anybody ever reading, been reading the Bible and all of a sudden all the frustration calmed down? You felt like I can make it another day. I didn't know what direction to take, but I opened up that Bible. Or I had someone preach a word. And I left the house of God believing I can go on another day. I can make it another day. God is for me. He's on my side. The Bible is a source of peace. The psalmist 119 and 165, great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. Number five, the word of God has creative power. Everybody say creative power. We don't have to go to past page one in the Bible to see this. God spoke and creative things started to happen. You want to know why I'm excited about this sermon today? Because while the word of God is being preached, God creatively can touch your body. God creatively can touch your family. God can step in when his word goes forth and creatively the power of the creative word of God can begin to work and touch and minister and heal and deliver and set free. That's the creative power of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 33 and 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Hebrew writer, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are invisible. The word, the word, everybody say the word. It has creative power. Number six, we're really going somewhere right now. The word has saving power. First Peter chapter 1, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The disciple James declared, therefore lay aside all the filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. If someone's lost here today, I got good news for you. The word can find you. If someone who is, is lost and undone and not saved here today, I've got good news for you. The word of God has saving power. Seven, the word of God has healing power. The psalmist wrote it clearly. He sent his word 
and he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Jesus in the Gospels is teaching in a home. And the Bible says while he is instructing in the home, the power of God was present to heal them. The word has healing power. Eight, the word of God has reviving power. Feel a little weak? Feel a little backslidden? Good news for you today. The word of God has reviving power. Psalm 119, this is my comfort in my affliction. Your word has given me life. The word of God has cleansing power. You are already clean, Jesus said, because of the word which I have spoke to you. Sanctify them, John 17. By your truth, your word is truth. Thank God for the cleansing power of the word. Now, this doesn't get preached a whole lot, but the word is also like a hammer. Oh, hang on. I got the joy, peace side, pastor. Yeah, the word of God's like a destroying hammer. Everybody say hammer. Hammer. Jeremiah 23 and verse 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Anybody here, just quick, quick survey. Anybody here? You have some situation sometime in your life, maybe it's been conquered now, but maybe it's not been conquered, and, and you just get tired of it just being there. You just would rejoice to wake up one morning and it not be there. Well, you know what the Word of God can do in that situation? You just keep bringing the Word like a hammer. <laughs> My kids are going to be saved according to the Word of God. Bible says in the last days, sons and daughters are going to prophesy. So I'm bringing that word and I'm declaring that word over my backslidden son right now. And I'm hammering away at that stronghold that the enemy has in my family right now. The word of God, declaring God's word. It's like a hammer that destroys that which is embedded. There's something powerful about the word of God. 11, the word of God is light. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet. And it is a light to my, my path. The word of God is nourishing. First Peter 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I love what Hebrews 6 says. You've tasted the good word of God and the power of the age to come. The word of God is nourishment to us. 13. Woo! So much for three points. 13, the word has spiritual knowledge. And I'll just tell you, this is an area I want to grow in. I don't want to just grow in natural knowledge. I think it's good to grow in natural knowledge. But we need to grow in spiritual knowledge to discern what the spirit is up to. Proverbs 2, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth, his words, come knowledge and understanding. Jesus declared, as John wrote, you search the scriptures, 
For in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. When you and I embrace, love, and consume the word of God, we are consuming something that is eternal. And we are consuming something that elevates our spiritual knowledge. How many of you have that desire to have more spiritual knowledge? Now, just since you're keeping score, this is it, number 14. We've hit a new plateau today. The Word of God inspires faith. So, where do we go right now, Pastor? Here's what we're going to do. I am so convinced that that book and the preaching and the declaring of that book brings faith. Faith to believe for your needs. Faith to believe for my miracle. Faith to believe for the breakthrough that's needed. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because the Word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There is something powerful that takes place in faith when God's word is declared. So I want you to stand. Let me tell you what I really feel like has happened in the last few minutes in this room. And I want you to notice I'm not yelling right now, not hollering because this is not about emotion right now. Faith is not an emotion. Faith, faith is an assurance that God is working and God will work. We're going to pray for your needs right now. We're going to pray for your miracle, what you need. We're going to pray for your breakthrough. And I am believing that in the next few minutes, through the preached word of God, there's going to be a new level of faith that you're going to come at that request with, that trusts that God will work on my behalf. Hey, somebody, it's not over yet. It's not finished. The last chapter hasn't been written yet. We need to grab a hold of the Word of God today. So here's what I would like to do. I asked you earlier if you'd allow me to pray for you. I know we all have needs. We all have things that we're asking God for a breakthrough, something in our life, something connected to us. Would you just come and let me pray over you right now? Just come from where you are. Just come quickly. Step out from where you are. We're going to gather around the front of this church, and we're going to pray together. Amen. Praise God. I'm coming at it not with my opinion. I'm coming at it not with my emotion. I'm coming at this with an assurance that God is working. God is working. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's take a moment and just thank God for his word right now. Would you do that in prayer? Would you just thank the Lord? Would you thank the Lord for his word? Say, thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Thank you for the scriptures. Praise God. Thank you for the direction of your word. We need the word of God. We need, I need the word of God today. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Praise God. 
in the closing few moments of this service, we're going to sing to the Lord, just worship, set an environment of worship and praise. But I would like you to have opportunity right now, us to have opportunity to bring our requests to the Lord. And so why don't we do this? Why don't we take just a moment and maybe you want to share with someone near you something that you're praying for, something that you're asking the Lord for. Would you take just a moment and do that? Would you turn to someone near you and just share with them? You don't have to start praying yet, but just something that you're praying for. We can come alongside you and pray. Just share that with somebody, would you?